Welcome to Experience This, the podcast that celebrates remarkable customer experiences and inspires you to stand out from the competition by wowing your customers. Each episode, we bring you a healthy dose of inspiring stories, funny interactions, and practical takeaways. Marketing and customer experience thought leader, Dan Gingas shares the mic with customer retention and employee experience expert, Joey Coleman, helping you to get people talking about your business. So get ready because it's time to experience this. Get ready for the final episode of season seven of the experience this show. Woohoo! Join us as we discuss one of the greatest CEOs of this generation sharing his final thoughts, the common path to uncommon success, and a listener takes on customer reviews, every last one of them. Earthing, pathing, and responding. Oh my! We love telling stories and sharing key insights you can implement or avoid based on our experiences. Can you believe that this just happened? Last month, as is his annual custom since 1997, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos sent a letter to shareholders. But this one was his last as CEO, as he'll be handing over the reins to Andy Jassy this fall and taking on the role of executive chairman. His last letter, all 4,000 words of it, details a plan for Amazon to become Earth's best employer and Earth's safest place to work, in addition to its signature promise of being Earth's most customer-centric company. It also shines light on Amazon's climate pledge. The letter, which we'll link to in our show notes at experiencethisshow.com, is well worth the read if you want to better understand why Amazon is so good at everything it does. Now, let's break down some of the pieces. First, some absolutely astounding numbers. Amazon now hires 1.3 million people worldwide, which is up from 614 people in (laughs) 1997. Small bit of growth. It boasts more than 200 million Prime members. In 1997, it had 1.5 million total customers. It today has more than 1.9 million small businesses that sell on Amazon. And customers have connected more than 100 million smart home devices to A-L-E-X-A. I have to spell her, otherwise she's going to go on while we're recording. Perhaps most impressively, Amazon had just gone public at a split-adjusted stock price of, are you ready for this, $1.50 per share in 1997. Now, as of this recording, it trades at just above $3,200 per share with a market cap of more than $1.6 trillion with a T dollars. And in case you're wondering, I did the math for you. That is a tidy gain of 213,333%. Wow, Dan, I was told there would be no math, but I appreciate you doing the math for me. What an amazing story of growth. And what's fascinating to me is I, for one, often 
take Amazon for granted because it's become ubiquitous in our lives. I was an early Amazon customer back when pretty much all they had were books. And it's amazing to see how far they've come, which interestingly enough brings us to one of the second points we wanted to share from the letter. And that is, if you want to be successful in business, in life actually, you have to create more than you consume. Your goal should be to create value for everyone you interact with. Any business that doesn't create value for those it touches, even if it appears successful on the surface, isn't long for this world. It's on the way out. I love that. And and when he talks about creating value, it's not just about for customers. It's for employees. It's about vendors. It's about the supply chain. It's about the earth and, and creating value all over the place. And I think that one of the things that's made Amazon successful is not only do they create this value, but they measure it. And in this letter, he goes into very fine detail about how they measure the value that they have created for each of those entities. Now, Amazon's also, frankly, been in the news lately regarding some alleged working conditions, failed union votes, and some other employee experience issues. And what I love about this letter is that Bezos takes those issues head on. He's not hiding behind them. He says, quote, despite what we've accomplished, it's clear to me that we need a better vision for our employees' success. We've always wanted to be Earth's most customer-centric company. We won't change that. It's what got us here. But I am committing us to an addition. We are going to be Earth's best employer and Earth's safest place to work, unquote. He goes on to say, quote, if we want to be Earth's best employer, we shouldn't settle for 94% of employees saying they would recommend Amazon to a friend as a place to work. We have to aim for 100%. You know, I think most organizations would love to have 94% of their employees recommend their place of work as, to a friend. But the fact that they are committed to aiming for 100% and not resting on their laurels and continuing to push the envelope, I think speaks to the ethos of the organization and clearly what Bezos is hoping will continue as he transitions to being executive chairman and they kind of undergo some new leadership. It also suggests that we're never actually there at the destination. We can always do better. Because we're not going to hit 100% of anything. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't strive to be there. And if we're at 94%, that's awesome. We can rest on our laurels or we can try to get better, even if that means getting to 96% or 97%. Yeah, constant improvement and never being willing to settle. I absolutely love it. You know, there was another section you mentioned earlier, Dan, that uh, Bezos really addresses some of the main issues of the day head on. And there was another section of the letter that really spoke to something that not only has been a frequent conversation in many of our segments this season on Experience This, but it's actually been something we've been talking talking about since our podcast began, and that's the impact of experience as it relates to the environment. And I quote, you don't have to say that photosynthesis is real or make the case that gravity is real or that water boils at 100 degrees Celsius at sea level. These things are simply true, as is the reality of climate change. We launched the Climate Pledge together with Global Optimism in September of 2019 because we wanted to help drive this positive revolution. We need to be a part of a growing team of corporations that understands the imperatives and the opportunities of the 21st century. Now, 
less than two years later, 53 companies representing almost every sector of the economy have signed the climate pledge. Signatories such as Best Buy, IBM, Infosys, Mercedes-Benz, Microsoft, Siemens, and Verizon have committed to achieve net zero carbon in their worldwide businesses by 2040, 10 years ahead of the Paris Agreement. You know, I absolutely love this. I love the bold commitment. I love the leadership. And I know some of the folks who are listening have really strong uh, initiatives within your organizations to speak to climate change. I know we've talked about it in the past. This needs to be part of your employee and your customer experience. If you don't start addressing this publicly in your products, in your services, I promise you your customers are going to not be happy long-term. This is a topic that needs to be addressed, and I love that they're taking such a leading position on it. Yeah, and I have to say, one of the things that stuck out to me was that even the list that was shared in this quote, and that's not obviously the entire list of 53 companies, but even in within that smaller list, there's a number of Amazon competitors. And I love that Amazon is brave enough, brazen enough, whatever you want to call it, dumb enough. I don't think it's dumb (laughs) enough, but maybe to actually sign this thing with its competitors to say like, look, everybody's welcome under this tent because the earth is that important. And this is that important of an issue that even as competitors, we've all got to be pedaling in the same direction on this issue. So I thought that was really cool. I'm going to leave you with one more quote that I thought was more on the inspirational side. And this was towards the end of the letter. I think he was getting a little melancholy. And uh, here's what he said, quote, we all know that distinctiveness, originality is valuable. We are all taught to be yourself. What I'm really asking you to do is to embrace and be realistic about how much energy it takes to maintain that distinctiveness. The world wants you to be typical. In a thousand ways, it pulls at you. Don't let it happen. The world will always try to make Amazon more typical, to bring us into equilibrium with our environment. It will take continuous effort, but we can and must be better than that. Unquote. Now, Joey, I'm not going to impress you with my Rain Man skills here. I'm just going to read because there were too many of them. We've actually covered Amazon more than any other company on this show, which I think is not terribly surprising given that it's a show about customer experience. We've talked about Alexa in four different episodes, including our very first segment in our very first episode where we talked about our kids and how they used Alexa. We also referenced Alexa in episodes 7, 11, and 91. We talked about the four-star store in episode 68, the Go store in 69, damaged items uh, in episode 77, the returns process in episode 88, their credit card in episode 96, and their customer service in episode 97. And that all reminds me of an old commercial from when we were growing up from the shampoo company Pantene. And they had that woman in there that would say, don't hate me because I'm beautiful. (laughs) Do you remember those commercials? I do. I do remember those commercials. And I think that applies because honestly, there's a lot of Amazon haters out there. And I say, don't hate Amazon because it's successful. And don't try to out Amazon Amazon. It's the best at what it does. And I believe it always will be. But we can all learn from what they do well and apply those best practices to our own businesses. And that's why we talk about Amazon so much is because we can all learn from them and we can all do a little bit better. We spend hours and hours nose deep in books. We believe that everything you read influences the experiences you create. So we're happy to answer our favorite question. 
What are you reading? So, Dan, I haven't gotten to ask you this in a while. What are you reading these days? Well, Joey, I just finished a fiction book, Ready Player Two, which I gotta say was not nearly as good as the original Ready Player One. Sequels are always so tough. Yeah, they are. So I switched over to a business book. I I try to go back and forth between uh, fiction and nonfiction. And I was introduced to today's author by Amber Vilhauer, with whom I'm working to launch my own book in September. Now, when I met Amber for the first time, she was just coming off a successful launch of John Lee Dumas's new book, The Common Path to Uncommon Success, A Roadmap to Financial Freedom and Fulfillment. So I thought to myself, self, I'd like financial freedom and fulfillment. (laughs) So I decided to check it out. Now, before we get too far into it, though, we invited the author, John Lee Dumas, to give us a synopsis of his new book. Here he is. Hello, this is Johnny Dumas. I am the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire, which is a podcast I launched back in 2012 and have since published over 3,000 episodes interviewing the world's most successful entrepreneurs. And Entrepreneurs on Fire now has generated over 100 million listens over the past decade. And I decided to take those interviews, those thousands and thousands of hours of conversations of learning from the world's most successful entrepreneurs and put it into my first traditionally published book, The Common Path to Uncommon Success. The Common Path to Uncommon Success is a roadmap, a 17-step roadmap to financial freedom and fulfillment. I took every single step in the roadmap that I've taken to turn entrepreneurs on fire into a multi-million dollar business, as well as the 17 steps that every successful entrepreneur has utilized in their journey to turn their business, their life into financial freedom and fulfillment and put it into the 17 chapters that comprise the common path to uncommon success. So if you are looking for your version of uncommon success, if you're looking for your version of financial freedom and fulfillment, if you want the book that I spent 480 hours writing, the 71,000 words, the 273 pages, that is a combination of all of the success of the entrepreneurs that I've interviewed over the past decade comprised down into this 17-step roadmap, then The Common Path to Uncommon Success is for you. I hope you enjoy. There's also a little bonus chapter, uh, chapter 18. I call it the well of knowledge. It's just the best passages and inspirational moments and motivational sayings that I've accrued over the past decade running Entrepreneurs on Fire. So that is for you to go and dip your ladle into whenever you need to slake your thirst with some inspiration, some motivation, and some wisdom from years past. So This is John Lee Dumas. I hope you check out The Common Path to Uncommon Success. I hope you find your version of financial freedom and fulfillment in the 17-step roadmap. May peace be with you. Uh, Yes, indeed, friends. Did you you hear that correctly, Dan? Did I get that right? 17 steps? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I thought at first, too. But what's cool about this book is how straightforward those steps are. I mean, the steps are, well, Let's just say you don't have to build a lunar landing module or anything. They're common, as the title suggests, but they're arranged in an order that makes sense. And they're accompanied by amazing success stories of real entrepreneurs on fire, as Dumas calls it. 
Well, give us an example, if you would, Dan, of one of these 17 steps. Well, I'm actually going to start at the beginning because it's a very good place to start. And that is step number one, which is find your big idea. And actually, this is where I found my favorite passage that I wanted to read here. Here we go. There are two mistakes people make when trying to identify their big idea. Mistake number one, they believe their big idea can be something they are just passionate about. I love muffins. I'll open a bakery. Mistake number two, they believe their big idea is something they just have expertise in. I know how to code. I will build websites. Your big idea is not either or. It's not something you're passionate about or something you have expertise in. It's both. Your big idea needs to be a combination of your passions and your expertise. You know, Dan, here we are one step in to the 17-step plan, and I got to say, I'm resonating with this. I've had the opportunity to interact with so many new business owners and young folks and old folks alike starting out in their business journey and making that either-or mistake. And let's be candid, they're not in business a few years later or maybe even a few months later because they're missing a key piece of the puzzle. You know, I think for you and I personally, customer experience really fits that definition for both of us. It's something we're hugely passionate about. We're constantly on the look for new customer experience examples. We're constantly doing our best to create new customer experience examples. And as a result, that plus all of our work experience and our life experience kind of contributes to 20 to 30 to 40 years of perspective and expertise on this, depending on what angle we want to look at. You know, since I'm loving step number one, what are some of the other steps? I'm still stuck on the 40 years. I didn't know you were that old, Joe. Yeah. (laughs) I was talking about you, my friend. You were adding ours together, weren't you? Oh, okay. Now I got it. Well, some of the other steps include discovering your niche, choosing your platform, creating content, And one in particular drew my attention, finding your mentor. Now, I've personally found that to be very valuable in building my own business. Now, Dumas says it's best to find a mentor who is where you want to be in a year because presumably they can help you more tactically since they've just been where you are now. You know, Dan, I like that example. I'm a big believer in the concept, uh, a a broad definition, if you will, of mentor. And since we talked a little bit about Greek mythology in the last episode, I'll make a quick reference here. You know, mentor in Greek mythology was the character who was responsible for educating Odysseus's son when he went off on his adventures, uh, his son Telemachus. And the thought of someone serving that role of being an educator, being a sage, being a guide has always really resonated with me. And my buddy Ryan Holiday has this interesting perspective on mentors that your mentor doesn't need to necessarily know that they're your mentor. Sure, there's a whole wing of mentor-mentee relationships where you meet and you kind of work together and they provide advice and guidance and assistance, but I also think there's an opportunity to connect to mentors who you don't know, but you admire. You follow their work. You look to their writing. You look to their example, to their lives, uh, to the way they live their lives as a way to give you some ideas and maybe some guidance on the path as well. Yeah, one thing I think I would add is that you and I have both tried in our careers 
to be mentors to others because we have received such great advice from our own mentors. And uh, I, I would say in corporate America, I spent more time mentoring than I was mentored. And that was actually one of the things that frustrated me is that you get to a certain level in corporate America and they feel like you don't need any help anymore. And I'm like, no, actually, I would like one too. I, can I have a mentor? I raised <laughs> my hand. Always looking for more help. Uh, yeah. But I always tried to make sure that I was paying it forward. And I think one of the things I'm proudest of is that in my 20 years in corporate America, I left a lot of people, a lot of team members that looked at me as a mentor because I really tried to, I embraced that role and I tried to to pass on as much information as I could get. And then when I went off on my own, it was super helpful to me to find a number of mentors that were willing to share their expertise and experience. So John Lee Dumas was kind enough to share his favorite passage of his book as well. So here he is again, reading from The Common Path to Uncommon Success. Courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is a quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I will try again tomorrow. Mary Ann Radmacher. We've all seen those individuals full of fire and brimstone, seemingly overflowing with confidence and courage. Within months, most have faded into oblivion. On the common path to uncommon success, courage is simply saying, I did my best today. I will try again tomorrow. Whatever you are not changing, you are choosing. Lori Buchanan. We make choices every day. Some choose to stay the same, to stay stagnant, to stay put. On the common path to uncommon success, we choose to evolve, adjust, and adapt with the world around us. We choose to ask our audience what they need and provide the ever-changing solution. We choose financial freedom and fulfillment. When one teaches to learn, Robert Heinlein. You have knowledge to share with the world. When you share that knowledge, you are not only teaching others, but you are learning as well. You're learning how to teach, how to solve the struggles of your students, and how to apply your knowledge to impact the world. You're learning the common path to uncommon success and setting the world on fire. People do not decide their futures. They decide their habits, and their habits decide their futures. F.M. Alexander. Many people claim they want financial freedom and fulfillment above all else, but their habits don't reflect their desire. Those who achieve financial freedom and fulfillment first identify the habits that will lead to uncommon success and implement those habits daily. Your daily habits are your building blocks to uncommon success. Identify, implement, execute. You got this. I don't know about you, Joey, but I can definitely relate to this. In fact, as much as I like working for the Dan instead of the man, I do find that it can be tough to create and stick to good daily habits when, you know, you got this really laid back boss who kind of lets you do whatever you want any day. And I mean, at least he's really good looking. You know, Dan, you really do have a dashing boss for sure. You know, I I agree with this idea of, you know, the daily habits. This is probably, at least for me personally, one of the most difficult parts of being self-employed. You know, we talked about this when we were uh, referencing uh, the self-employed life that my buddy Jeffrey Shaw wrote and kind of this idea of what are your daily habits? What are your practices? What are the things you're doing in your business? And I think this implies to those of us that are self-employed or running our own businesses, but it applies to everybody in their professional life. You know, the days of somebody watching over you, making sure you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do, as you get more experience, as you kind of move through an organization, the number of people double-checking your work and watching over you dramatically decreases. 
decreases and we really need to become our own habit setters and our own habit modifiers so that we can continue to advance and have the experiences we're looking for. Agreed. So if you too are self-employed or building a business or have that entrepreneurial spirit, check out The Common Path to Uncommon Success by John Lee Dumas. And here's hoping that you find your own path to success. Almost everyone has interacted with chatbots, but all too often, it's been a bad experience. In Mythbusters, presented by Salvi, we explore a common myth about CX chatbots and see how the right technology can create a positive experience every time. Today's myth about chatbots, chatbots are easy to build on your own. You've got a few engineers and some smart folks at your company, so it shouldn't be that hard to build your very own chatbot, right? Wrong. This approach, building versus buying, happens more than you'd think. Perhaps it's because working on chatbots and automation sounds like a cool and interesting project. While it might seem like building a bot yourself versus buying it from an established vendor is a way to save yourself a bit of money in the short run, don't get caught in this trap. The reality is it can take months or even longer to build a useful chatbot on your own. Building a chatbot is not a trivial or inexpensive project. You'll need significant engineering resources and you have no guarantees of success when you do finish, if you finish. You may build a chatbot that can't understand customer questions well or offers incorrect answers. You might even need to bring in expensive outside consultants or experts to rebuild your bot which only delays things further and greatly increases your cost. The smarter, easier move is to leave chatbot technology in the hands of the experts who've already done years of work, like our friends at Solvi. Rather than taking on the risk of trying to build a chatbot internally, working with a reputable modern chatbot company will guarantee your customers are delighted, your team is supported, and everyone wins. If you're thinking about building a chatbot yourself, I'd strongly recommend you rethink that and have your team focus on what they're best at while leaving chatbot creation to the pros. That's another myth busted. Thanks to our friends and podcast supporters at Salvi, the next gen chatbot. Visit them at salvi.com. That's S-O-L-V-V-Y.com. You listen to us. Now we want to listen to you. By visiting our website and sharing your remarkable customer experiences with us, we can share them with a broader audience. Now sit back and enjoy our listener stories. I think people are catching on to the fact that we love listener stories because we are getting so many great ones. Oh, they're fabulous. Love these. Now, today's story is from Rosina Cavano. Let's hear what she has to say. Hi, my name is Rosina Cavano, and I work for Fuse Lenses in Clearwater, Florida, as a customer service director. Over the last few years, we have started to really understand our customers and the fact that they most likely will not reach out to us if there's an issue with their order. We started measuring our customer satisfaction by how they rated the product, the customer service interaction, and if they would recommend our company to their friends and family. This is called our ACS, or Aggregate Customer Service Score. We are able to see where any issues may be and work on that area. If a customer leaves a negative review or mentions any issues at all, 
I will reach out to them daily and identify the issue, apologize, provide a resolution any way I can, and then provide points toward new orders or compensation. Most of the customers are not expecting any response, so this is a happy surprise for them. We get a lot of responses where they say they're our customers for life just based off of our customer service. Our customer service mission statement is to actively create a community of raving fans through compassionate service. And with this, we intend on elevating our customer service to the highest it can be. Thank you for allowing me the time to speak, and I love your show. Uh, Rosina, we love you too, and thank you for your awesome contribution, and also for the great work that you're doing for your customers. Now, Rosina shared some additional detail with us in an email that followed her audio contribution. She told us that Fuse Lenses replaces sunglass lenses for all brands, and that her main job is to reach out to every customer who has left a review. And she did say that many of those are negative ones, but she reaches out to them to provide a solution. She says that she finds that, quote, most of our customers who had simple issues did not reach out directly because it was too much work, unquote, but they also didn't expect anything. She then told us, quote, the response I get is amazing and they are so happy. We turn negative experiences into positive ones and create raving fans, unquote. She also mentioned that she reaches out to the positive reviews and she sends them a surprise just for spreading the word. Her final quote, focusing on our customers primarily has brought us so much more business. Oh, Dan, I love every piece of Rosina's story. And, you know, the additional context she gave us with the email, you know, where to begin here. It really is about thinking of your reviews and the customer comments that you get as a way to deepen the connection with them, whether those are positive reviews or negative reviews. And this whole idea of, you know, so many customers having simple issues that they don't reach out directly. Here's the kicker. Those people then have a negative experience of your brand and may not decide to buy anymore. You know, we actually had an experience uh, just this last week where we bought from a brand that is very well known for its remarkable customers experience. And in typing the address into the e-commerce site that we had never shopped at before, there was a typo in the address. So the package actually got delivered to a house that is like 20 minutes away from where we live. And I said to my wife, you know, she explained this to me and she's like, ah, I was wondering if we should just eat it or what we should do. Like, you know, it was a small thing. It's kind of annoying. We'll figure it out. And I was like, you know, we have to at least give them the chance a bunch of your customers aren't going to give you the chance. So if we follow up on the opportunities, I think we have a ton of possibility that we're able to create with these type of interactions and outreach efforts. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, usually this phrase is used for something else, but it's the silent but deadly ones that absolutely kill us, right? These are the customers that leave and never even tell us that they le- that they left or why they left. They just go to the competition because they're upset about something. I actually appreciate far more the ones that complain because complainers complain when they care. They actually want you to find a solution for them. They want to continue doing business with you. They want to keep paying money to you, but they need your help. And if we look at complaints that way, instead of being afraid of them, then we have so much value to gain because we're listening to customers tell us, 
hey, if you would just either stop doing this or start doing something else, my experience would be a whole lot better. CX folks, they're basically doing your job for you. They're telling you what they need in order for a better customer experience to occur. I also really loved two concepts that that were in my first book, Winning at Social Customer Care, which is A, respond to everyone. Every person who leaves a review or a social media comment or a comment on your website, every person deserves a response at least. And number two is also respond to the positive ones. There are so many companies that forget about this. And the reason is very simple. In the history of contact centers, almost no one has ever called the toll-free number to say something nice. And when I speak to audiences of customer service agents, I always make a joke about like, when's the last time you picked up the phone and somebody said, hey, I'm just calling to tell you you did a great job. And they all laugh, right? Because it never happens. But when social media came onto the scene, people started talking about the good experiences that they have as well. And they're throwing compliments left and right about their favorite brands. And so many of those brands ignore them. And it's such a missed opportunity, let alone it's a chance of turning a happy customer into a sad one. So I love everything that Rosina is doing as well. Rosina, thank you so much for sending us your listener story. We are sending you uh, copies of our books to say thank you. And uh, we really appreciate you submitting it. If you'd like to submit your listener story to us, just go to experiencethisshow.com, click on the contact link, and there is an opportunity to leave us an audio voicemail. Just record it, send it. Don't worry if it's not perfect. That's totally fine. We'll make you sound good. And we'll talk about your listener story next season on Experience This. My goodness, Joey, another season in the books. Seven seasons, 134 episodes. Who would have ever thunk it? Well, I don't know that we would have thunk it, Dan. You know, when our friend Jay Bear suggested we pair up to do a podcast while we were all hanging out at a happy hour mixer years ago, we honestly had no idea that we'd still be at it today. That is true. And this season was a success in no small part due to the support of our season sponsor, Salvi, the next-gen chatbot, that also helped us bust a whole bunch of myths about chatbots this season. Thank you especially to Khan Urson, Bob Groz, and Ron Wilcox. Season 7 also would not have happened without the continued support of our house musician and lawyer extraordinaire, Davin Seaman, and the fine folks that keep our online presence sparkling, the team at YokoCo. We also owe a huge debt of gratitude to all of our book report authors for sharing their wisdom, their insights, and their vocal variety with the show. Now, you may not know it, but there are actually two Dans who make this show come to life. Thank you to our incredible sound engineer, Daniel Romeros, also known as Dr. Podcast, who does all of our post-production work and, let's face it, makes us sound really good. And as we say every year, because we truly mean it from the bottom of our hearts, thanks to you, our loyal listener. Whether you shared your personal experience with us as a part of a listener story segment or submitted questions for our newest segment this season, Ask Us Anything, whether you shared the show with your friends or you left us a review online or even just tuned in week after week to listen to the show, we can't thank you enough. You are taking actions to improve the customer experience in your organization every day, and we want you to know that we're here to support you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to applaud you every day. You are why we do this, and your continued support means the world to us. 
So we're going to be back in the fall for season eight. Look for us right after Labor Day in the United States. That is after the first week in September. And hey, while you're enjoying the summer weather and you're on the beach or you're doing whatever it is you do outside, one of the things we'd like you to do is check out our other show called Experience Points. Now, we do this with our friends at Avtex. It is a game show on customer experience. It is an incredible amount of fun. We have amazing contestants, people that you know. And if you follow customer experience, you've definitely heard of these folks. You've seen them all over the place. But most of all, it is the most fun you can have talking about customer experience possibly with the exception of listening to Experience This. But it is available in both video form on YouTube, go to Avtech Solutions site, or also in audio on your favorite podcast app. Or hey, to make it easy, just go to experiencepointsgame.com and check out Joey and Dan over the summer. You got a bunch of episodes you can catch up on if you really miss us. Now, if you really want to be an overachiever and do kind of a variation of summer school or have an assignment that you can work on over the summer, you know, we debated whether we should mention this, but we were inspired by Rosina's example in our last listener story segment. We'd love it. It would mean the world to us if when you're done listening to this episode, you've listened to so many, so many of you have listened to so many, and yet We'd love to hear what you think of the show. Leave us a little message on the contact page of us of our website, or better yet, go and write a review so that your experience with the show can be shared with other potential listeners to the show. Now, the way the algorithms work, if you write reviews, our podcast shows up higher in search results for people looking to learn how to enhance their customer experience, learning how to take their employee experience to the next level, learning how to make, hopefully, the interactions that we have with businesses, with nonprofits, with government entities better because of commitments to experience. Now, we're going to start something next season where we're going to share some of our favorite reviews. And we had one come in the other day that just made Dan and I so thrilled, and it just energizes us as we get ready to do our recording. So this review came from Ampy 1000 in the United States. Yeah, thank you, Ampy 1000. Thank you, Ampy 1000. Love your name. And Ampy 1000, if you're listening, message us on the page so we can tell you about some other fun things we'd like to do. Here's the review. Brilliant, engaging CX podcast. I've been listening to a lot of CX podcasts recently, and I have to say that the amount of smart, insightful content that I get from Experience This is unrivaled. On top of that, Joey and Dan are exceptionally good storytellers and keep me so engaged, I find myself surprised I've already listened to the whole episode. 10 out of 10 would recommend for anyone in the CX space. Oh, fantastic, Campy1000. We appreciate you. And as Joey said, reach out to us on the show page. We'd like to send you some special goodies for that awesome review. Hey, everyone, get ready for Season 8 of the Experience This Show coming to you this September. We'll have all new customer experience stories to share, recommended books to read, and hopefully more awesome content from you, our listeners. Until then, have a great summer, stay safe, and we'll see you in the fall for more Experience This. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. You're the best listener ever. And since you listened to the whole show, yay you. We're curious, was there a specific part of this episode that you enjoyed the most? 
If so, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with a coworker, a friend, or someone that just loves listening to podcasts. And while you're in the sharing mood, if you felt inclined to jump over to iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts and write us a review, we would so appreciate it. And when you do, don't forget to let us know as we might have a little surprise for you. Thanks again for your time and we'll see you next week for more Experience This.